Aiton is a player who just now signs a offer sheet for 133 million over four years. So let's think about that. If that's 30 million a year, it's 120, right? So 33, it's 34 million dollars a year. That's a lot of money. Sure. That's the max that he could have gotten. They're saying you could be Michael Jordan, doubly as good, and we can't wouldn't pay you anymore, DeAndre, because it's the max they could pay yep. him. This is the platonic ideal, the very max he could get. But just a year ago, Phoenix said, Oh, you know this extension that most good or almost all good players get offered? We're not gonna offer it to you. At that point, Aiton was, you know, by all reports, very upset at Phoenix. He seemingly played hard and, and didn't let it affect his game, at least in a way that was perceptible. But he wants to get out of there because the owner himself, by accounts, said, "You're not worth. You're not good enough for this extension." Oh, by the way, Indiana saying, "You're more than good enough. We're going to give you the max." Because remember, Indiana wasn't obligated to give him the max. They could, he, they could have offered an offer sheet, let's say four years for 110 million, sure, 23 million less. Then it would have been a situation that Aiton would have had a choice to say yes or no. If he said yes, he would have played under that either with the Pacers or with Phoenix if they matched it. By the Pacers giving him the max, it's a repudiation of the Phoenix decision. A what of it? A repudiation. It's saying you are that decision you made, Phoenix, was wrong. Gotcha. We're going to do something that's different than that. That's going to show you how wrong it was. What you weren't willing to offer him, what Phoenix wasn't willing to offer Aiton, Indiana did, and now Phoenix would not only be ambivalent and uncertain, you know, be mixed feelings if they resign him because they don't want to lose him for nothing, as you said, which makes sense. They don't. But do they want him to sign him to a contract that they already said he's not worth and then not be able to trade him for months and months and months? It seems like a no-win for Phoenix right here. Do you think it was a game of chicken where Phoenix thought, listen, we don't think you're worth this. We don't think anybody else is going to think you're worth this either. And then it turns out there was a team out there who said, yeah, we'll give him that money. I don't know if the own By all accounts, most serious NBA people thought it was a major mistake at the time. They're like, this guy is... Remember, Phoenix was just off a of finals performance. Aiton was being glorified. How, how Chris Paul, and he was willing to work hard under Paul, he was catching the ball better. Mackenzie Rivers, an NBA expert here, a producer also, how would you characterize what the, um, how the narrative was about Aiton's emergence in last year's, last year's uh, finals? Last year, he looked like one of the best centers in the league by the end of the playoffs, and he just continued that ascent this year. Better field goal percentage, more points, just improved overall. So if, it, if this year was indeed a prove-it year, it feels like DeAndre Ayton proved it, and Phoenix is st- Phoenix still hasn't made an offer to him. Well, w- once you get to this point, you're going to wait. I guess in theory, they could have got him an offer that he would have signed, and it would have made it where no offer sheet could have been right. extended. But to some degree, I, I you never know when it, when when someone. Let's say you got a hundred people at an auction, and you're auctioning off. Uh, a painting, let's say. All right. Now, here's the thing. We we're ready for this. I got 75. We give 80. 80. Okay. You're doing the auction, and one person says ten thousand dollars, which is let's say it's a lot of money. Let's say you expected it to be five thousand. Okay. Picture went for. Let's say I just did a watercolor over the weekend. 
I don't really paint, but let, you know. And I'm thinking five thousand. Someone says ten thousand. What you don't know is would anyone else have paid ten thousand? What you know is no one else is going to pay more because the auction ends. But it could be the last bid. Let's say the last bid was for five, and it was some third other person. You know, a second person would have paid five. If you jump up to ten, you have no idea who would have paid in between. That makes sense. At least one person is meaningful, but if it's a consensus, it means more. The Pacers, who aren't known to throw around a lot of money, so in a weird way, it kind of says, "May he must be worth this," because the Pacers are pretty shrewd with money. Sure, they let go of a lot of good players seemingly for money. But Malcolm Brogdon, a recent example, and we for you know, not quite frankly, for cap relief. Yep. In a in a weird way, it's like they said, "All right, Boston, you can have Brogdon, and and we'll take Aiton," which is another positive statement for Aiton, but. I think it is a repudiation. It is the league saying, and the Pacers specifically, he was worth it. Phoenix said, prove it. And even with the stress and the negativity of that, which that's going to hurt some players. And at the end, when they sat him in games where he didn't get minutes at times he would have typically, there was some disgruntledness at the end. You'd agree with that, right, McKenzie? Yeah, Game 7 famously, Monty Williams saying it's internal when asked why he didn't play Aiton down the stretch. So, at some point, he reached a breaking point. But if you look at the stats over the course of the season, I agree with you, AJ, Aiton proved it. So, that, that he was worth this contract the Pacers have offered him. Now, the Phoenix Suns are stuck, and it seems like the Suns' decision-making was driven by the owner alone, which isn't necessarily going to be basketball savvy. If the Suns match this offer sheet to Aiton, what do you put the odds at that he'll stay out for those full five years? You know, I'm not a, oh, well, I would say not great, but I'm not big <laughs> on hypotheticals, but I would say in general, not great. But you, last thing we'll do on this, you've got some data on when a player does sign the the second contract extension, the rookie extension, how often they stay with that team that they sign with. Yeah, since 2011, the only guy right now who looks on pace to do it is Carl Anthony Towns, the number from the, at least from number one overall picks. He's entering year eight with Minnesota, so this would play out his second contract. Oh, but he's already signed an extension from that. Right, so unless they trade him is, what, okay. is all I'm okay. thinking. Before, the, the 10 years before that, it was 70% people played out their second contract, got eight years out of the, the number one overall pick. The only exceptions... Well, gra- it wouldn't be the, just the number one overall pick. Well, that's I'm just talking about number one overall picks. Right, so, how many, so, how many overall picks did you examine? Uh, back to 2,000. Okay. So, and how, so, how many were there? 20. 20. And in those 20, how many were offered the extension? Uh, I want to say there were... Uh, well, why don't we do this? Let's take a break. We'll get all those pieces of data straight, and then what we're going to do is segue. We'll continue in the NBA a little bit and talk about Durant now. Colin led his show with the idea of Durant and Golden State getting more and more conversation. I'm going to make the case, and I've made it kind of piecemeal a few other times, that this would be the best thing for both Golden State and Durant. Stay tuned. 